0: Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board?
1: Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time.
0: Correct. Next.
2: Oh, it says right there on the screen, we are live. We are the Birds 365 duo. He would be John McMullen, (laughs) I would be Jody McDonald. It's all Friday here on Birds 365, and not only is it a Friday, it's a Friday before the start of camp. We are down to just four days, Johnny Mac, before the Eagles report, and five days before John McMullen gets some serious grass time.
4: Yeah, and the last Football Friday before actual football, so how about that? You know, I know when we started this show, which I believe we're at show number 76. Correct. Jody, who's been doing this for a long time, remember, he was a little bit concerned. What do we have to talk about? Can we get through the offseason? There's some dead periods, but there's always something to talk about in the NFL, and this is proof we're here. Now it's all over the place. Yeah, Howard Eskins on our show. He goes on WIP. 90% Deshaun Watson's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. You got, and the streamers aren't going to like this, Jody, but we have to talk about vaccinations because the NFL dropped the bomb. And then you have this ripple effect all over the league, DeAndre Hopkins, most notably. Shaming season, as I like to call it, Jody. Let's go out and feel better at, at, about ourselves and shame the big, rich NFL player, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't like it, but the reality is we are where we are. 16 teams now. I just saw a tweet this morning have reached that 85% threshold. Funny how that works. You know, You by the way, I want to tie this in as well, Jody. Talked about the Carson Wentz banner a lot and the timing of when the Eagles were able to get it down. This this whole league is like this. Fly by the see Everything happens last minute. Everything, even important things. So when you're talking about a banner coming down at a stadium, that's number 6,647 on the list. I mean, these people wait for the last minute to do everything. And this is a $13 billion industry.
2: Well, and now you understand why I was inquisitive about what we were going to talk about between the time of the draft and the opening of camp because, yeah, we don't need to get to it now. We'll get to it when we're banging up against the deadline. So I thought there would be some periods where we'd be uh, reaching for topics to discuss for two hours every day here on Birds 365. But we've gotten to the tough time because now, yes, they're actually going to get out onto the field and uh, we will have the outside-of-football conversations, the not-on-the-field conversations, like, as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson, uh, who we've been talking about basically since Burge 365 started, because it made sense. The Eagles don't have a locked-in, proven starting quarterback. Char- Sorry, Jalen Hurts fans. The numbers are what they are. Jalen started four games in his national football league career. Um, there aren't too many teams with less experienced quarterbacks Jalen Hurts. So when a guy like Deshaun Watson says, I'm not going to be a Houston Texan ever again, well, then that's going to be a topic of conversation because the speculation is going to run rampant. And yes, the speculation got ramped up yesterday by our guest from yesterday's show, Howard Eskin, who was on with us. And John, I I tried the exact conversation we had with Howard about Deshaun Watson. I knew we broached it. I knew we talked about it. I couldn't recall exactly how the conversation went from uh, phrase to phrase to phrase to phrase. But I know he never mentioned there's a 90% (laughs) chance that the Sean Watson's going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. He went on WIP later in the day after he was out with us yesterday. Uh, Somewhat understandable. If he had that information and or was holding that information, he waited till he got on WIP. Yeah, we get it, Howard. We're not mad at you. We're just uh, a little disappointed that uh, it didn't come up while we had you on our show. And John, you've been saying this for, shoot, months now. The Eagles and Deshaun Watson just makes too much sense for people not to believe that this has a very good chance of happening.
4: Yeah, and by the way, ninety percent. So one, I don't know how you quantify that. I, right. I'm not going to go that far. We, we do that concerned. all. We do that all the time. We make no, up numbers. No, Hold yeah, yeah. um, I mean, does it.
2: McDonald does it. I'm not going to yeah. bust that's good no, job for I'm, trying to I'm, put a number on it too. I ask you unfair questions all the time, but John, give me a percentage yeah. chance. That, yeah,
4: that's, that's part true. of what we do. That's true. I throw out 20, 50% on Steven Nelson yesterday. But what I'm trying to say is that part of it's not all that meaningful because it is. You know, it's just something you do kind of flippantly. The, the concern, and what I've said pretty consistently, is the Eagles are going after Deshaun Watson. Now, and I've said also pretty consistently, and this is where Howard and I kind of disconnect as well he's got it down to the Eagles, the Dolphins and the Broncos, which is obvious because Deshaun himself wants to play in Denver. At least that's the talk around the league. Um, Miami is a place where you want to go as well for a lot of reasons. Uh, not, not least among them, weather. it's a beautiful place to be uh, no state taxes and all that for, which is very meaningful when you make as much money as an NFL quarterback. Um and then people go down the next avenues. The Eagles have more draft capital, as I kind of pointed out yesterday. It's not only going to be draft capital, and and by the way, I'm going to say something else. I'm going you're, to predict. You're,
2: you're going to try and get him back to the Washington Football Team. Aren't no,
4: you? no, no, no. I I bring up Washington because they they need a quarterback, and who knows where they go this year. But I use that as an example, not to say it. Because they have so much talent on the defensive line. They could throw a a proven player in there. And I've often, as you point out, I've brought up Chase Young, even Montez Sweat. Uh, They could throw one of them in there, and that changes the whole landscape. But here's what I was going to say about Howard. There's going to be more than three teams. I guarantee two things. The Eagles are going after him, and there's going to be more than three teams going after Deshaun Watson. There's going to be a lot of teams going after Deshaun Watson. Because as I said, 25-year-old quarterback, he's going to be 26 proven. Um, and again, this is all with the caveat. You have to make this very clear that things are cleared up on the legal front for him. But if it's not taken off the table from an NFL perspective, in other words, if the legal implications don't Put him off the field. Don't bar him from the league. Don't put him in prison. He's too talented. Andrew Brant says talent versus tolerance all the time. He's too talented. There's going to be more than three teams after Deshaun Watson. So the two things i predicted consistently, and I'll say it again for the 15th time, the Eagles are going after Deshaun Watson, period. And, A lot of other teams are going after Deshaun Watson. Here's here's where you're right and you're wrong. Uh, Well, no, let me put
2: it this way. You're right and Howard's right. And I'll explain both sides. You're right in that the only teams that shouldn't have interest in Deshaun Watson are teams that have quarterbacks proven to be better than Deshaun Watson which is what four or five, five or six in the national football league. You put their starting quarterback and Sean Watson side by side and say, which would you prefer? How many are going to say, well, I'll keep my guy a handful at best. So that means there should be 20 some odd teams that are at least interested in Deshaun Watson. Then you get, well, compare Deshaun Watson to our guy, how much of an upgrade it is. How much would we be willing to pay? to get to that upgrade, well, that's going to eliminate a whole bunch of teams because the teams that really need the Sean Watson, like the Eagles, are going to be willing to pay price X. And we don't know what price X is, but we can get a pretty good general estimate of what price X is. Three first round draft picks, two first round draft picks, and a starting player. Uh, that That's the type of number. Well, then you put that with other teams in the league and that's going to eliminate a bunch of them. They're going to go, okay, yeah. Deshaun Watson's a little better than our guy. But if we have to pay this much and we've still got our quarterback, no, we're going to keep our quarterback and we're going to go forward. So that eliminates a whole bunch of teams. Four, five, I don't think it's 12 teams that are going to be seriously involved in bidding and making offerings for Deshaun Watson. I think a whole bunch of them will eliminate themselves in the process pretty quickly, right away. Um, But when we come down to it, it'll probably be four or five. Howard said three yesterday. That seems a little light to me. I'm with you. It'll probably be four or five. It's not like half the league is going to
4: be bidding on Deshaun Watson. No, and again, it it depends how you look at it. Everybody will be interested, and they'll slowly drop off, as you mentioned, Jody. I'm not saying 25 teams are going to be interested in Deshaun Watson. It doesn't work out that well. Their situations, for instance, you know, Jacksonville. All right, obviously he's an upgrade, but they just took a kid number one overall. They're not interested. Even Tampa Bay with Tom Brady at 43, about to turn 44 years old uh, early next month, they should probably want to Sean Watson they're not going to want to Sean Watson we kind of live with it you say the guy got us to the super bowl we got to move forward and it is what it is i mean there's always context in certain situations all i'm saying is there's going to be more than 3 and i forget who it was it was probably Ken Rosen Rosenthal you might you might know better than me when when the mystery team became a thing in baseball remember that in free agency and or trades and somebody there's a mystery team involved. And all of a sudden, there was always a mystery team. There's going to be a couple of mystery teams involved that you go, oh, they don't have the draft capital, get to Sean Watson. And that's why I bring up Washington and the players. Because, well, there are other avenues to do things. Correct. This is what I kill the process people about. They say, you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. There is more than one way to do it everything in life and inventive, innovative people, they will find a way they will find a way if they have to put in a, a proven player, if they have to sugar their trade package that way, I'm saying from that perspective, don't look at the draft and say, Oh, the Eagles have the most draft capital. So they're going to get to Sean Watson. It, it's one of those things where, and I brought this up with DeAndre Hopkins, and we'll talk about DeAndre for other reasons, obviously. Step on Diggs uh, last year, you know, Eagles fans are like, you got to go get those guys. You got to go get those guys. All right, even if you want those guys, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to get them. The, the, the assumption, I tell you this all the time with fan bases, not just Philadelphia, is if they want a player, they're going to get them. doesn't always work that way. There's, no, there's, but there's, there's, here's there's where a lot defend, of
2: competition. And I'll defend Eagle fans in since you went there. Uh uh, the couple of wide receivers, superstar wide receivers who, who change teams. Yes, you can you can want them, but do you have what it takes to get them? You're right, it doesn't always match up. But you can always ask, and you can always oh, say always we need to make a play, we need to be involved, we need to inquire. And as far as I could tell, and you're better to answer this than me because you're an actual on-the-beat Eagles reporter, I don't know if the Eagles made a call. I don't know that Howie Roseman even inquired on either of those two wide receivers and, more importantly, made an offer. Now, their offer might not be as good. They might have been outbid. They may have made a legitimate offer, but someone else was going willing to be able to go above and beyond what the Eagles put on the table. That's good. Uh, you can then question, well, then he should have upped his offer. Now we really are starting to take too many steps down the road without knowing, without being in the room and overhearing and listening to the conversation. But you can find out if a team at least inquired and made uh, at least an attempt, and I don't know that the Eagles did on either of those two wide receivers, and if Eagle Nation uh, questioned Howie Roseman's stance that, yeah, the the price is going to be too much on these guys, Shame on Howie Roseman. He should have inquired on both.
4: Well, one I've got one thing I can tell you is about Howie inquired. I mean, that's one thing. I'll I'll say a lot of things about Howie, but he's thinking inquired. He picked up the phone. If there's one guy who's going to pick up the phone on everybody, and I mean everybody, it's Howie Roseman. You know, I still know a lot of people in Minnesota. I, I I've said this before on the show. I was told flat out. They weren't trading him in the NFC. They got a deal early that they wanted uh, in the AFC. You you can shake your head, Jody, but that's the reality. That's the way the Vikings were going. They wanted him out of the conference, if at all possible, and they got him out of the conference. So, I mean, you, you could say, well, how we changed Rick Spielman's mind. And by the way, he already policed Rick Spielman when it came to Sam Bradford and, and the whole Teddy Bridgewater situation. So you have a little bit of a disconnect there. Uh, You can't just make the other guy do what you want him to do. I mean, you might not agree with the philosophy, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have the philosophy. You know know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what I'm doing, John. I disagree
2: with the philosophy. It's not a division. Okay, I can see. Conferences compared to out of conference, it's not that big a deal. You play one other division in your conference once every three years. You play that division once every four years in the other conference. How big a difference is that? No, I'm going to make, if I'm okay. a general manager, I'm going to okay. make the best trade that I can uh, with whatever team I can make that deal with and not, oh, my God, I must get them out of conference. If that's uh, your stance, I disagree with
4: it. Okay, but then you're disagreeing with Rick Spielman. That doesn't yes, help Harry. That doesn't help Harry Roseman get the deal done, which is what we're talking about. And and by the way, I don't even have any firm assertion that the Eagles would have would have gone hard after Stefan Diggs because the when he picked up the phone, he got the no, he got the hard no. That's what I'm saying. So that's not you can you can point at Rick Spielman and say you shouldn't say hard no to teams in the NFC. I'll I'll listen to your argument there. That's fine. But if you're an Eagles fan who says, Well, Howie Roseman should have gotten Stephon Diggs. I'm telling you flat out, he couldn't have gotten on Diggs. So how do you change that guy's mind? And you're blaming Howie Roseman. That to um, me I'm, is the part I'm, that doesn't I'm, make I'm sense. I'm blaming.
2: I'm blaming Rick uh Spielman and oh by the way Stefan Diggs team uh moved along much further this upcoming season. I know it's not all about Stefan Diggs, but his team did some things and went to the year, championship game and the Vikings would have been a nice player I, I, to how the, have how, how the Vikings do in the playoffs last year. Oh they okay. didn't make the playoffs. So yes I'm taking a dig at Rick Spielman if he's as hard-headed as that, I must get him, the way you stated, I must get him out of the conference. No, he wanted to, me, to get cool. him
4: out of the conference. And, I, I you know, you could call it old-school thinking. You could say it's flawed thinking. Ultimately, you know, the Vikings didn't make the playoffs, not because they didn't get Stephon Diggs. The guy that got him to replace him at 1,400 yards receiving. Uh, their defense fell apart because of injury and attrition and free agency and COVID opt-outs. That's why they didn't make the playoffs. But Stephon Diggs would have been nice on the Eagles, would have been great on the Eagles, would have been a true number one receiver, and we've, we've always seen. And by the way, the, you know, then there's a domino effect. Guess what? If they get Stephon Diggs or DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Smith is in here, and you go a different way in the draft, and you can go on and on and on. But my only point at the beginning of this, and we've gotten off on the tangent, is just because you want a player doesn't mean you could get him. And sometimes it's the other side that is an issue. I talk about the Sixers all the time. Daryl Morey wanted James Harden. The Rockets didn't want to deal with Daryl Morey because of some bad blood there.
2: Right now, yeah, you probably remember better than I do. Just and promise, we'll we'll get into other things here in a minute. Our first guest, Bob has is joining us for over an hour, so we can get off on a tangent. Uh, if you can look it up, look it up. If you remember off your top of the top of your head, please do so. What did the Bills give up to get Stephon Diggs? And I'll go Diggs more so than Hopkins because that was the first one we brought up. And you mentioned that Rick Spielman was uh, so motivated to get him out of conference that that may have aided in the deal with the Bills. What was the actual? Uh, it
4: was a first-round pick, and then they and and they sort of uh, traded late-round picks. The late-round picks, I don't remember. But it was a first-round pick going back to the Vikings. Uh, So they got what they wanted. They wanted a first-round pick. Now, I'm saying if the Bills offered a second-round pick and the Eagles offered a first-round pick, we're probably having a different conversation. What I'm saying is they got what they wanted. They wanted them in the AFC. They got an AFC to give them a first-round pick, and then it was done. It was done very quickly. Very quickly. And and here's where, again, I'll come to the defense
2: of the Eagle fans uh, who said that the Eagles should have had Stephon Diggs last year. If you know what he got traded for, once the deal has been consummated and he is shuffling off to Buffalo, you know that the Bills gave up a first-round pick and a swap of a four for a six or whatever it was. Well, then you can reasonably say, well, if we had put our first-round pick in and we had just given him a fourth round pick rather than ask for a sixth round pick in return, just to know that we, that we would give a one and a four. That's reasonable to assume that Rick Spielman would have said, well, shoot. Yeah, let me weigh where I think the Bills are going to finish if we give them Stephon Dick and where the Eagles are going to finish if we give them Stephon Dick. Which of those two first rounders is going to be higher? Eagles. Which, and uh, I don't have to give back a sixth round pick to get the fourth round pick? Oh, yeah, I'd prefer that. Well, then you can make the, the, the stance that we could have offered more to get Stefan Diggs. And if you believe that that's a reasonable price to pay, and you think Howie Roseman should have paid that price, as an Eagle fan, you can say, how the heck did we not get Stefan Diggs?
4: All right, well, let me, here's the trade, and I'll explain what, well, I'll explain why. Uh uh it was diggs in their seventh round pick, Minnesota's seventh round pick to the Bills for their first, which turned out to be Justin Jefferson, which we all know was the pick behind Jalen Rager. So, yes, the Eagles pick would have been slightly better. Uh, they would have gotten the same player, presumably. Uh fifth round pick, a sixth-round pick in the 2020 draft. In addition, they got a fourth round pick in this year's draft, 2021. So that was the deal. Now, What happened was Diggs popped off on social media, which he had done in the past. Um, And the Vikings traded him within 48 hours. It might have been 24 hours. It might have been 24 hours. That's how quickly it came together because they got what they wanted. They wanted him out. So when you're saying they could have offered this, they could have offered that. And in a normal trade situation where it goes over weeks and months and we're, we're talking about Zach Ertz, I'll, I'll listen to that a little bit more. He popped off on social media and he was gone, Jody. He was gone. And they were getting him out of the building and the Bills came in with a pretty significant offer and they got him out of the building. And that's what I'm saying. All I'm saying is you can blame Rick Spielman all you want. Go nuts on Rick Spielman. He should have done this. He should have done that. He should have done this. What I'm saying is Howie Roseman cannot control the other side of the tree. I'm using this as a particular instance where you can say you want the player. You could say he would have fit in perfectly here. You could say the Eagles should have done everything possible to get this particular player. I'm saying it wasn't an option in this particular situation. Now, okay, you want how to talk can you, about, John, how can you possibly
2: say that not knowing what came down? You, you, uh, if, let, me, let, me, what let me put it this down. way. Let me put it this way. If the Eagles had offered him two first-round picks, do you really believe Rick Spielman would have turned it down because, oh, my God, I can't have him play in the
4: conference? Well, first of all, if you offered two first-round picks, we'd be killing Howie for a different reason. You don't have to offer two first-round picks. Now, yes, Jody, if you're going to sit here and say, well, you could offer three first-round picks, you could offer, yeah, Rick's probably going to take it. Uh, But that's not realistic. So why argue that point? Nobody's given two two first-round picks for Stephon Diggs. Okay, then I'll just put it this way. Could the Eagles have offered
2: more than the Bills did without getting crushed? By Eagles Nation, John McMullen, uh, Zach Berman, anybody who covers the team, Jordan McDonald, Birds three hundred and sixty-five. Could he have offered slightly more than the Buffalo Bills did and stayed within the ability to justify making that kind of offer for Stephon Diggs?
4: Yeah, it could have offered the exact same deal with their first-round pick, and it would have turned out to be a pick better than the than than the Buffalo Bills, and the Vikings would have got the same player, but they would have had him in the conference. Uh, they got him out of conference. I think if you would ask Rick Spielman, is he happy? He'd be happy because he got the same player anyway. Right. I, I, but now, if you want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins, that's a different conversation. That's a different conversation. Because, you know, there's a great receiver, maybe the best receiver in the NFL. Now, fans have turned on DeAndre Hopkins, which we'll get to at some point. But at the time, Everybody wanted DeAndre Hopkins. Everybody loved DeAndre Hopkins. Everybody should love DeAndre Hopkins as a football player. Obviously would have helped this team dramatically. They made a call about DeAndre Hopkins for whatever reason. uh, They didn't feel like they wanted to get deep into the mix with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, if you want to kill him for that, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Here's the reason why I think it's more difficult to put DeAndre
2: Hopkins into the mix because there was another key player in that trade. And some people looked at it as a guy who could come in and help the Texans, and some looked at it as just a salary balancer because Johnson wasn't the back that he once was. And to put a comparable trade together, now you're reaching. When it's just draft picks, it's really simple. You can compare the draft picks that were acquired with the draft picks that you could have given up. It's a, an apples-and-apples apples comparison. When another player comes into the deal, like uh, Johnson did as the running back in that deal, it kind of makes it more difficult to say, we could have offered more. Here's what I would have offered, and what I'm offering is better than what the other team was offering. Now it gets a little bit above and beyond your knowledge of what you're actually offering and how good it is.
4: Yeah, you know why? Because it's the other side of the equation. It's the other side of the equation. Now, if again, if we use Spielman versus Bill O'Brien, one is a a, a really experienced general manager who who generally uh, understands what he's doing versus a guy who I I don't know what he was doing, but uh, I you know if you look at that deal and I'm just pulling it up, it was uh, Hopkins in a fourth round pick. Or David Johnson, as you, you mentioned, a 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 uh, fourth-round pick. Now, part of the reasons why Eagle fans went nuts is because Bill O'Brien got fleeced. I mean, absolutely fleeced. And it's easy to say we could have offered more because uh, anybody could have offered more than what Bill O'Brien got, who was a bad general manager. And he's not even a general manager, right. by the way. He d- dressed
2: up as a general manager. Yeah. He's only an okay coach, as a matter of fact.
4: Yeah. He's, he's. I think he gets ripped too much as a coach. I think he's average to above average. I, I don't think he's abysmal as a coach. As a general manager, he was abysmal. I don't know what he was looking for. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what his thought process was, other than I want this guy out of my building, I guess. Um so that part of it is, again, the other side of the equation. You don't know what the other guy's ever thinking, ever thinking. And do I think the Eagles went hard after DeAndre Hopkins? I don't, personally. I, I don't. I didn't sense that they were going hard. And, and to be honest, I didn't understand it at the time. Um, Maybe it was off-the-field issues. I don't know. Maybe it was personality issues. Maybe, who cares? It, it, it could be. A million different things. You're leaving. You're leaving one thing out there, John. Just when was the last
2: time the Eagles made a wide receiver one of the higher paid players? Well, in the yeah, nation? the salary obviously. I, I think look. that was a huge part. Yeah. I'm both of those guys, Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. That uh, who were we talking about uh, just recently on the show? One of our guests about you asked them about uh, uh, dollars spent on a specific position that there are some things, some positions- Oh, it was uh, Trey,
4: Trey Wingo, yesterday. Trey, yesterday, yeah. about
2: running backs and yeah. how much do you value and the like. Well, there's the the league-wide evaluation of how much somebody could pay, get paid. And then there's the individual team evaluation. And at least as per their actions, the Eagles just don't like paying top dollar to wide receivers. They haven't. What was the, I don't remember if they've ever done it.
4: Have the Eagles yeah. ever had a top and that, and that, five a, guy paid at his position at wide receiver? And that's a good point, Jody, because um, what I was kind of saying with Trey is, look, I agree with the larger philosophy that all ball linebacker, for instance, because we were talking about uh, Fred Warner yesterday. And running back, because we know that position of where it is and the devaluation as far as NFL front offices go. My point has always been, and this goes with Hopkins at wide receiver. Yeah, I agree with that philosophy. But when you get a great player, when you get a Hall of Fame level player, I don't care where he plays, I'm keeping him. And Devin White was the perfect example in Tampa Bay. Uh, okay, yeah. Typically, off-ball linebackers. I don't want to pay. I'm paying him. Um, Derrick Henry. Typically, I don't want to pay running backs. I'm paying him. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, before the vaccine stuff and before everyone turned on him. I'm paying him. I, I when you get a great player, it's about getting great players. Would I rather have the the best quarterback? Of course, of course. But you can't just. Wave your magic wand and say, I want a great player. I want a Hall of Fame player, and I want him at the most important position. It's it's difficult, and it's difficult, and I go, all circle, circle, which is the point I'm, I was trying to make. There's a second part of the equation, and that's the second – you can't control the other guy. Can't control them. Right, but I uh... –
2: well, your, your general statement is just on point. You can't control You can make anybody do anything. But you can put more pressure on him to do what you want to do. You can up your offer. You can be more aggressive. You can put more on the table. And if your team, if you believe your team hasn't done that, then as a fan, you can say, I disagree with the stance we've taken. I, you're right. You can't control Howie Roseman. You surely can't control the other team. But you can suggest that you would, if you were in position, I've offered more to try and get that kind of player on your team. I tell you, yes, we will continue the DeAndre Hopkins conversation. Talented wide receiver. I've said on my show three years running, he is the, in my estimation, the best wide receiver in the national football league. All apologies to you. the other great wide receivers in the league. Somebody has got to be number one. And for me, DeAndre Hopkins has been that guy Oh, yeah, he's making news in other ways that we'll come back and talk about next. He's John and I'm Jody McDonough. We like the fact that you are listening to and watching Bird Street 65.
5: I get scared sometimes of a lot of things joining in decisions the dark the dark but I once heard someone say but as I always say It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward.
6: Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross.
11: It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. A
2: Football Friday edition of Bird Street 65 with Jody Mack and Johnny Mack here with you closing in on the opening of camp yes the eagles will be on the field before you know it john McMullen will be down there he'll be reporting with us and or coming back to us we're still working on uh how we're going to handle that next week when you got to get down and get last minute everything's
4: um, last minute Chetty.
2: it is including john McMullen figuring how the hell he's going to get on birds 365 when he has to be in two places at once um, yes, uh, we've got a guest coming up next hour. Our buddy Bob Groats from the Delco Times will join us. Um, But yes, John, we'll uh, once again annoy the streaming uh, commentators on our show here because, uh, and again, if we need to apologize, I'll apologize. You may not want to apologize. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll I'm, apologize I'm... that we'll be talking about something that uh, annoys some people. I'm not going to not talk about it because the streamers will yeah. get upset i'll apologize but we're gonna go ahead and talk vaccinations anyway uh, nfl came out yesterday john and basically took a pretty tough stance against those who were going to opt not to be vaccinated that if and just understand the percentage of this actually happening is not only small it's minuscule if there are break outbreaks in the NFL this year, and they affect the team so greatly that games are postponed and then attempted to be rescheduled and then attempted again and again and again. And if they cannot find a way to reschedule a game and get it in before the season ends, they are going to have a team forfeit a game in the National Football League. I don't know when the last time that happened. Historian John McMullen, can you tell me when the last time a team forfeited a game in the National Football League? Certainly
4: not in my lifetime, I can think about. I I would definitely have to look that one up. But yeah, you're right, Jody. They're not going to have team sport. Can you imagine the other? Think about the, the Pandora's box you're going to open up. We talk a lot about Joe Judge and the Giants being upset about the Eagles tanking and He's a crybaby. You can't complain about blah, blah, blah. Can you imagine if, I don't know, a forfeited game vaults, you know, the, forget about the NFC East, vaults Tennessee over Indianapolis in in the AFC South into the playoffs. The, the reverberating effect of that around the league and other teams, and it, it would be. Just be a disaster from the league standpoint. So they don't want to do anything like that. They're not going to do anything like that. They're going to do everything possible. If something happens and, and there is a breakout, they're going to bend over backwards to try to get that game in, no matter what they say. What's today's day, Jody? Gotta look it up. July 23rd. They can you could talk big all you want in July 23rd. And that's the point. You have time, you say. You better do this or this is going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Take it off the table. It's not going to happen. You might have a situation where you don't have a quarterback like you did in Denver last year, or you got a whole room wiped out, but they're going to play the game. And then you can talk about those issues and say, that's not fair. And that's a competitive disadvantage, which will also happen. But right Right. now, it's just bluster. Right. But here's what it is, as
2: far as I'm concerned. It's brilliant bluster. No, oh, it's not. It's because not do I think it's going to happen? Do I think there's going to be a forfeit in the NFL this year? The percentage chance is like this. But guess what? Yeah. I haven't even checked yet. In my back pocket, as I sit here on Bird Street 365, I could have a piece of paper that is worth fifty million dollars. I I bought Powerball tickets on Wednesday. They did the drawing Wednesday night. I still haven't reached. It's almost like an obligation that I'm throwing $10 away, that it's money that I have to spend. I don't. It's completely my choice, but I spend it whenever it's over $100 million, and I take five tickets, which is worth 10 bucks. I have so little confidence that I won. I haven't checked my ticket yet. And they did the drawing two days ago, but I bought the ticket. And even though this is my chance of winning, I bought the ticket. So this is the chance of the NFL actually uh, having a team forfeit a game. But you put it out there in the ether. You make people like Jody McDonald and John McMahon talk about it. You make players think about, they're going to take one of my game day checks. I'm going to lose one 17th of my salary because either I am taking a hardline stance on the vaccination Or my teammate, who I can attempt to influence and have a conversation with, is going to refuse to take the vaccine. You put it out there. And you don't think that guys will actually sit down and analyze it and go, what is the chance that there's really going to be a forfeit here? No, they're going to go to extraordinary lengths to make sure all the games that are going to be played because they don't want to have a black eye with uh, uh, 30 of the teams having played 17 games and two of the teams having only played 60. They don't want to do all that. But some players won't even take it through like that. They'll just go, wait a minute. They're saying we might forfeit. It could cost us a playoff. I'm going to lose a game day check. And it's not even me. I got the vaccine. I'm taking my precautions. I'm doing everything. And I'm going to lose out because my teammates are doing this. That's what you wanted. That's what you're accomplishing with yesterday's memo. They're making people talk. They're making people think. They're putting, planting seeds in players' heads as to wait a minute, do I really want to take this harsher stand? Isn't it just easier for me to get the silly vaccine and get it over and done
4: with? That's what the NFL did yesterday. And I yeah. think they did it close to brilliantly. Yeah. I'm- I'm- I, I think you're right. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to go brilliant with the NFL. because What's the I, downside? Well, I don't think there's any downside. But here's the thing. The NFLPA quickly came out. Because you're right. I think it was Barrett. Barrett was on the show. Barrett Brooks. And we were talking about uh, the tanking. Well, bring it up again. The last game. And guys not playing. And guys sitting. And he brought up from a player's perspective. And this is where I think you're right, Jody. When you start talking about money, and there's incentives to play 16 games a lot of times or reach certain statistical goals, and when you're taking guys off the field and you're taking away their money, they get upset. That that trumps everything. So I agree with you there. Uh, But the NFLPA, after the memo, they released their own memo, as they always do with the NFL, just jockeying back and forth. And they made it very, very clear to the players they they it's in light of today's memo sent by the NFL I'm reading from this directly we remind you the same basic rules applied last year games were missed if games were missed because of covid-19 outbreak nobody would have gotten paid so nothing has changed from last year it's essentially the same setup but they spun it well and you create the glorious of the world who you know there's a falling sky every day about something. And then it, it creates this reverberating effect. It's like, I can say it for a hundred times. And I've said it a hundred times. The Eagles are going after Deshaun Watson. If he becomes available from a legal standpoint, I've said it a hundred times. I could say it a hundred more. I said it before Adam Schefter. I said it before Howard Eskin, but those guys have bigger platforms. And when they say it, and I don't care Great. People latch onto it, and it becomes real to them. It became real to the NFL players, but nothing changed. So from that standpoint, I think you're right. I think you hit them where it hurts. The NFLPA quickly says, no, nothing's changed, guys. How many guys listen? I don't know. Where it was brilliant is it, it affects the other people. It affects the fans. It affects certain media members who aren't savvy to what's going on. And that creates a public perception. So it's up to the NFLPA. It's always up to the NFLPA to educate their players. But they made it real quick to know nothing's changed as far as your – nobody's taking away money. This was the same protocol as last year. Whether that reverberates, it's certainly not going to reverberate in the public perception. Whether it reverberates among the players, I don't know. And here's, I'll take it a step further. Um, There's even,
2: for me, less likely a chance that a game gets forfeited this year than it did last year. Because they have these large percentages of players that are already vaccinated. Last year, there was no vaccine. So the chances of an outbreak and a spread and a team-wide dealing with it were much greater last year. And they got all the games in. This year, they're just throwing it out there. If there is a reason that we have to uh, not play a game, we postpone, we try, we make every effort, but we find out we can't get it in, there will be a forfeit involved. And if that's the case, you're going to lose a game day check. You're right. It was already in place, but they didn't harp on it last year. Why? Because that would have been a pretty nasty thing to do. When you're just dealing with the pandemic and you're trying to protect your family... And the NFL wants to note, oh, by the way, if we do have to uh, uh, postpone a game and we don't get it rescheduled, that would be a forfeit. You guys are going to lose your check. Well, then now they look like the big bad wolf. So the NFL wasn't going to do that in the midst of a pandemic. Well, now we're in a recovery from a pandemic and a vaccine is available. So the NFL is not going to bat an eye about being the big bad wolf who's ready to take check away from you it all comes down to the emphasis you put on it yes the nfl is standing front and center and telling you if you as a team get a game postponed you are all going to pay they didn't even know that may have been in place last year they weren't going to stand up and announce it and say look at us we're ready to take money out of the players pockets so again uh, the nfl knows how to play the pr game
4: Eh, sometimes sometimes they're really bad in this case they did and in this case they did i agree but again it has more to do with the calendar you know i compare this to last year when again you had the chicken littles of the world going around saying how can the nfl in april pretend they're going to have full stadiums and everything's going to be fine um and they're going to play a season and there's not going to be any issues and i would always say because it's april Why can't they say it? It doesn't mean anything. It's the calendar. As you got closer to the season, then all the issues became to the forefront. You had to have all the protocols. You had to have all these issues. The calendar demands, uh, not demands, but the calendar kind of creates your action. Now, as we sit here on July 23rd, the NFL can stick out their chest and say, we're going to force teams to forfeit and you're not going to get paid. And it's great. You're right. From a public relations standpoint, I actually it's a it's probably a, a smart thing to do, Jody. It's probably a smart way to go. If it gets one guy over the finish line who isn't going to get who did want to get vaccinated, it's a it's a success. But the NFLPA is telling these guys behind the scenes. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not canceling games and 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 they're not because remember what the NFL is about money. They got to play these games for their TV partners. Bottom line. And you can say week 13 between Arizona and whomever doesn't mean much in the large landscape. Oh, it means something. They want that stinking game for the billions of dollars they're paying this league. They're the true power brokers. And they want that product. That's the reason they played last season. That's the reason they played every single game. No fans, no merchandising, no concessions, no parking, TV rules, all. People talk about the most powerful people in this industry. It's not Roger Goodell. It's Jerry Jones and Robert Crabb. However, even more powerful are the TV executives at Fox and ABC and Disney and everywhere else in NBC universal who make these decisions, the guys who sign the checks.
2: You are 100% right in that uh, TV drives the bus, but I will ask you this question. Do you not think with what they just dealt with, with the pandemic and it was probably pretty heated but we are talking about so many billions of dollars, and they are partners, so it can't ever get to a point where uh, either either side would lose their mind. Do you not believe there was a negotiation as to how much a give back there would be if the NFL missed a game, one single game? We know how many games there are, 16 times, six, now 17 weeks. Uh, 16 weeks per 17. You're the guy. you got to figure that I, out. I, I, I'm, I'm no. leaning on you for that. Well, no,
4: You're not leaning on me
2: for that. Come on. If there's 400, and I'm making this number up, 423. Mm. 16 times 17. I could get it out of pen and do it longhand, and <laughs> I could tell you exactly what <laughs> well, the I could get out
4: my calculator. But we'll
2: if I said it. off the top of my head it was 423. If they play 422, how much of give back are we really talking about here? So Somebody will benefit. I, I, a TV network who is scheduled to get that game that week is going to be due a refund. How much of a refund is it? Uh, the NFL could weigh that against the stance that we really need to do this, to be able to accomplish that. And they could go, yeah, we could we could miss that one game. And that, that's not out of the realm of possibility. But now, you start losing games every single week. Well, that's another story. But if you're talking about one isolated game, over the course of a season. And I gave you this as the possibility that we would lose any. So if I'm talking about one, it grows to this. I, yeah, the NFL could could weather that storm that, oh, my God, we can't afford
4: to lose a game. They could, they could weather that storm, but they're not making the decision. I, I do think their TV partners would say it's not that big of a deal. It's one game. It's 272, by the way, Joe. It's one game out of 272. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. I do think they could weather the storm. But my point is, they're not making that decision. My point is, they got to run that by their television partners. They got to run that. I, re- I know because you and I are wrestling guys. I know WWE was very concerned when the pandemic started. They signed these massive money contracts with Fox and NBC Universal. And they were very concerned they were going to be in breach of contract if they didn't put on TV shows right. um, and it would have been a breach of contract. And then you had this whole started with uh, empty arenas and the Thunderdome for wrestling fans. And, and they made the best of a bad situation, but they were concerned, man, they were concerned. And look, the NFL is bigger than everything. I'm not comparing because TB wants the NFL You can tell by the way they paid the NFL. At the end of the day, though, Jody, they're the ones that pay the bills. They're the ones that run the ship, even with the NFL. And if it becomes a concern and it becomes, here's a game, here's a game, here's a game, and not only that, it's creating this competitive uh, wackiness to where teams are upset and the product suffers, they're going to be pissed. And they're going to make it known that they're pissed. And they're going to say, fix this. Fix it. That's all I'm saying. You you
2: expanded the conversation. If we're talking about losing one game, that's one thing. And I think I would not be surprised if they already negotiated a hard and fast number as to what the giveback would be if a game in week. And it's got to be late in the season. Uh, 15, 16, 17, because otherwise they're just going to keep pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back to try and reschedule, Um, even if it gets inconvenient and a team has to play two games in one week, which would be unfair, but better to get the game in than to not. You could get to a point, though, where you can't get it in, and then we would talk about a forfeit, and then it's one game. I think they probably already have a negotiated number. I think they probably did that last year on the possibility of it happening. So if it were to happen again this year, they probably already got that in place with Fox, with ABC, with NBC. They know what the number is. I don't think so it they is deal for, it.
4: I don't think there is a number for this reason, Jody. It's not even in their freaking minds. They're not canceling games. They proved that last year. If they were going to cancel games any year, last year was the year. Uh, the fact that they got through that season – Playing every stick in single game tells you they are not canceling games. They are just not going to do it. And as I said, you might have to have a, a wide receiver who played quarterback in college years ago play quarterback on a particular game day. That might happen again. That might happen again. My only point is that that hasn't been broached because it's not even a consideration. And that's my larger point, where they can they can bluster about it, but they're not canceling any games, and they're not forcing people to forfeit. They could say it on July 23rd, but they're not doing.
2: It. Yeah, it's uh, they're flexing their verbal muscles. How much is this actually going to come? The percentage chances are going to come to fruition. Yeah, about the same of me hitting Powerball, minuscule at best. He is John McMahon, I'm Jody McDonald. We take a quickie time out here. Coming up next hour, we got our one guest who's scheduled to join us today. Bob Groats covers the birds for the Delco Times. Let's see if we can right...
4: get him off 0 9, Jody.
2: Did he go 0 and 9? He went 0 and 9. You're trying to push him to 0 and 11. That's what you are, McMullen. You're just a bad guy. You're going to try and talk Groats get into getting uh, to 0 and 11. Bob Groats, Delco Times, going to join us coming up uh, about 20 minutes from now here on Birds 365.
5: I get scared sometimes
11: There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
2: We are your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, go to McDonald's. Along with John McMullen, Bob Gross is going to join us coming up uh, a little over 20 minutes from now. And yes, Bob has been on the show before. And yes, in the midst of a long soliloquy about how things could go and what could happen and possibilities and the like, Bob may have at one point noted <laughs> that, you know, the Eagles could be 0-9. And, and John hasn't let that one slide since, and, and nor have I. Uh, but John's more guilty than I am. And yes, it could be a uh, tough upcoming season. And that will be probably uh, dictated as much by the play of Jalen Hurts as anything else. Um, Lane Johnson continues to be very uh, out front and present during this offseason. And uh, I saw a couple of quotes from Lane again yesterday. Uh, he's got Jalen Hurts over there working out in his bro barn, uh, the workout spot that he's got in his residence over here in New Jersey and Jalen Hurts is uh, apparently one hell of a, a weightlifter
4: for a oh, quarterback.
2: Yeah. You don't usually think about it. He used to be a power lifter.
4: Yeah. I forget who said it. I want to give the. We had a personnel guy. Uh, somebody said he plays quarterback like a fullback. He used to be a power lifter uh, early in his uh, college career in this high school. He, he was a legit big time power lifter. And Lane kind of joked the other day that he was probably being nice and he didn't want to affect Lane's confidence because he could probably power lift more than more than Lane. I mean, he is a people don't realize he is a powerful powerful guy. That's one of when I hear comparisons about him as a runner, it's not Lamar Jackson, it's probably Cam Newton. He is he's not Cam's size, but he's just he's just powerful. He is a powerful guy who can break tackles, and and maybe you look at him, and because he's not six foot five and two hundred sixty pounds, that that surprises you. But yeah, he's he's a strong dude, Jody.
2: He is, and uh, I I actually think that he's got a chance, maybe a bigger chance than most others do. Uh, like uh, Howard Eskin yesterday saying it's ninety percent sure that Deshaun Watson gonna be an Eagle. Well, then that leaves. If if there's 10% left there and then there's the possibility that the Eagles say, you know, we really love quarterback X who's coming out in the draft and we with our draft capital could get the number one to get quarterback. That's shrinking the percentage down even more. So what are we looking at? A 2% chance that just uh, that Jalen Hurts can keep the quarterback position of the Philadelphia Eagles past 2021. I think it's more than that. I like the kid and I think that he's got a chance it's below 50 that's for damn sure probably below 25 but i'm not going to say two like some people would suggest that there's next to no chance that he does Uh, here's a start i think he's going to be better than carson wentz was last year now i know that's not saying much since carson wentz was the 30 i agree with you
4: by the way i agree with you
2: And if he only is slightly better, then that's not going to be enough, and people would have to pitchforks. If Howie Roseman didn't attempt to upgrade the quarterback position, but let's play that season. Let's give him that chance to see. Like I, I continue to reference back. Where is my damn wallet? I got to get my wallet out and get that. I'm going to check that during the next break this year. Yeah, you got to check that, man, because I got to,
4: you know. I gotta borrow some money, Joe. You, uh, uh,
2: you you will be you will be my first offer to uh, lend money to McMullen. That's a promise. <laughs> um, and I will check my numbers next commercial before we get Bob Gross, so that way I can also give Bob Gross a hard time if I know. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical
0: diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question: You've spent ten hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing board or Miro board?
1: Drawing board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates...
0: Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a
1: few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas.
0: Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these
1: tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro, easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And
0: she's done it.
3: Join over 60 million people creating Technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M I R O.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: I'm a multimillionaire. I can say whatever the hell I want here on Birds three sixty five. 65, but
3: no, we, we
2: take these chances in life, even though we know they're small percentage chances. And I'm willing to take that chance with Jalen hurts this year. Um, because I didn't think the second round draft pick that they used on him was that bad an idea, was that bad a reach. I think that's right where he should have gone in the draft, as a matter of fact. And, yeah, I I saw enough highlight plays out of him. Saw some low-light plays, but I saw enough highlight plays out of him last year to say, I want to see more. I'm not already uh, acknowledging that he is a purely placeholder until Deshaun Watson or some unproven high first round draft pick comes in here. I'm going to give them the chance to become the starting quarterback of the Eagles for a period of time, more than just
4: one year. Well, here, here's, I'm going to compare, and I never thought I would do this. I'm going to compare Jalen hurts to Alex Singleton. And the reason why I'm doing it is because he has the same opportunity. Alex Singleton had and The Eagles never wanted to play Alex Singleton. He was brought in here to be a special teams player. And there's this whole philosophy about him as a player. He was undrafted coming out of a small school, cut in New England, cut in Seattle, cut in Minnesota, Uh, went to the CFL, became a star, came back, was CFL's best defensive player. They brought him back to be a special teams player, was a really good special teams player. They're throwing out everybody at linebacker. They're signing – you know, the Eagles don't value the position, but they signed the LJ ports of the world and all those guys. Nate Gary, they're trying to play. Everybody doesn't play well. Finally, they get down to Alex Singleton, and everybody goes, hey, this guy can play a little bit. And he's making some plays, and I'm not going to compare him as players, and obviously the position is not important. But the point is he finally got his opportunity to get on his field, get on the field, and he played better than everybody else they had at that position. And he's on the field and he's staying on the field. And he'll he'll have to win the job again, but he's going to win the job. Now he's in the conversation. Now he's first on the depth chart. Um, It's always about competition, as Nick Sirianni yes, would say. They're, yes, they're, yes, they're yes. going to push him. That's where Jalen Hurts is. I'm going to be honest because Bob's coming on. So, Bob is going to be Mr. Negativity. So, I can be negative And then, or so, he'll... or so you hope. Yeah. And then, you know, people forget about it because Bob's going to throw out 0 and 11 at them. But oh. I don't think the Eagles believe what you believe, Jody. Now, I'm not saying they. They can't have their mind changed. They didn't believe in Alex Singleton. That's why I'm making the comparison. They didn't think he was starting level linebacker, and he proved to them he was, at least in this team. Now, if Devin White shows up, he's not a starting linebacker. But you get my point. Um, That's the opportunity Jalen Hurts has. If you're successful on the field, nobody's taking you off the field. That is the narrow path he has, but it's very narrow because they don't think that he's the long-term future. And they are looking at Deshaun Watson. And they are looking at those potential three first-round picks in their back pocket and saying, "Eh, let's get through this season and we'll reassess.
2: Let me phrase it this way. Picture it this way. Um, Nick Sirianni should absolutely positively be open-minded about the ceiling and the floor for Jalen Hurts. He's never coached him. He's run a couple of uh, rock, paper, scissors games against him. He's, never had, them. he's never had his hands <laughs> on Jalen Hurts. So he absolutely should be Mr. Open-minded, Mr. Competition, Mr. Oh my God, look at the task this guy's looking at type guy. Harry Roseman's a general manager. He's the guy who called out his name in the second round, which started the domino effect of Carson Wentz not being mentally tough enough to handle it and going in the tank and forcing his way out of town and turning the organization on its ear. But then there's the probably most important guy of them all, and that's the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, who at least as per reports has ratcheted up his hands-on handle of the Philadelphia Eagles. Several people will say, including Harry Roseman, of course, oh, no, no, Jeffrey's the exact same he's always been. He is as involved or not involved as he has been since the day he bought the organization. I don't believe that. Do you believe that, that Jeff Lurie hasn't peaked and Valley, that he gives them that same road he contributes his opinions Uh, Howard talked at length about this yesterday and uh, Howard is a good friend of the organization when he needs to be that Jeff Laurie is the same exact uh, owner and has the same exact uh, say and and contribution on a year in year out basis. I don't believe that. Um, It does go up and down and I think it's in an upswing right now. We were told, I think you reported on this, but maybe not as heartily and heavily as others that Jeff Lurie had a big involvement in the selection of Jalen Hurts in the second round last year, that he was all yeah. aboard oh, yeah. for that pick.
3: Yeah. He well,
2: was. if it's being reported that way, and if I know it, you know it, Eagle Nation knows it, everybody knows it, Jeff Lurie knows that we know it. And if he's a guy who's kind of attached to Jalen Hurts, maybe Jalen Hurts has a little bit more flexibility. With the possibility of winning this job, because he's got a real big vote coming down on his side, and that's the owner of the football team.
4: Well, a couple things. You're right. Jeffrey was heavily involved with the pick, so you're right. Um, but as Doug uh, confirmed, Doug Peterson confirmed really night of, and has been consistent ever since, both on the record and off the record. So I can say that. Um, he was drafted to be backup quarterback though because the Eagles value the backup quarterback position um they were concerned there were concerns about Carson Wentz's long-term health but there were no concerns about his future as the the number one quarterback on this team he just didn't realize that uh Carson Wentz didn't realize that and obviously what happened happened so he was he was he was on board with the pick but he was on with the pick as a backup quarterback, as a cost-effective backup quarterback that hopefully, if he had to play a game or two, would be able to be successful and then three years or four years down the road, spin him off for a first-round pick or a second-round pick, and you're happy and you do the whole thing over again, and Carson Wentz is a superstar and it didn't work out. So both things can kind of be true he was on board with the pick, but he wasn't on board with the pick to lead his team in the future and be the face of the franchise. So I think that's number one, as far as Jeffrey's involvement, I do believe it hasn't changed. I do believe that because I've talked to a lot of people who've been here longer than me and have been here really since the start. Bob's one of them. Bob's been here since the start. Uh, Howard's been here since the start. Uh, Ruben, Ruben Frank, a lot of guys, Mark Eckel I've talked to who was here for a very long time. I, and this is why, and you probably heard me ask this question to other people, Jody. Andy Reid was better at piloting uh, uh, Jeffrey Lurie in the right direction. I think that's the difference. Certain guys, and Andy's obviously the best, they were able to pilot him in the right direction. And I forget, and I want to give him credit, and they used the term manage up. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember who used that term because it was a great term. Um, that's what you have to do with Jeffrey if you're the head coach. You have to manage up. In other words, you have to you have to control him. You have to be a political animal. You have to steer him in the right direction because he's going to be involved. But he's always been involved from those guys who I trust that have been here for the basically his entire career. Over quarter century run in Philadelphia. Here's the reason why I disagree with you.
2: I believe that Jeff Lorre's, I don't want to use the word meddling, but his involvement on player personnel was what it was uh, when Andy Reid was the coach. And you're right, Andy was tremendous at being able to manage Jeffrey Lorre and keep Jeffrey Laurie, uh give him his say, give him his lane but yet do what he needed to do with the football team. And I don't think it varied much at all during the entire time that Andy Reid was here. But then Chip Kelly came in and Chip Kelly did what he did. And then he pushed Howie Roseman aside and Jeff Lurie signed off on him pushing Howie Roseman aside. And then Chip self imploded, but Jeff Lurie's involvement peaked. It valid. And then when they pushed Chip out the door, it peaked again, and he put Howie right back into uh, the position he was in. And they hired Doug Peterson, and they basically put together Doug Peterson's staff for him and said, you're going to take this guy, that guy, and the other guy. Uh, And then now with the new head coach, they give the uh, head coach the ability to put staff together. That's peaks and valleys. That's not flatline. That's up and down and up and down and up and down. So that's why I say I disagree with his his involvement, his overseeing hasn't changed over the years. Oh, yeah, I think it has. And I think it's changed kind of drastically. The guy who kept it flat blind, as you pointed out, and you are right on, uh, was Andy Reid. Andy was great at it. Andy handled Jeffrey tremendously during the time that he was head coach. But we're now on our third head coach since Andy Reid left. And yes, I think Jeffrey's involvement has peaked and valued in that time. And we'll see how it works this year with Nick Sirianni. We've had a couple of guests come on Birds 365, John, and say, oh, they're going to run right over next oh, year. Howie Roseman oh, yeah. and Jeff Laurie are going to dictate to Nick Sirianni how things are going to go. And that's and, why and, I and, suggest. And, and,
4: and, and by the way, I don't think that's necessarily fair. And maybe it n- means nothing, but I brought this up and I brought it up a couple times, Jody. When you look at the draft, and, and it's the one time of year where Howie and uh, Andy Weidel now used to be Joe Douglas, obviously, and then the head coach, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, are up there together. Doug would just defer to those guys during the draft, and we've talked about a lot. Nick Sirianni, and you go back to we were doing the show, and I said I, I thought that was positive. He took over that dais. He they took did. it over. He took it over, and he seemed to be enjoying himself, And that was one of the first really positive signs I got from Nick Sirianni. I don't think they are going to run him over. I think he's got a different personality than Doug Peterson. I think they ran over Doug Peterson. Um, Doug's a nice guy, man. you will probably hate to hear it. He's just a nice guy. Um, And sometimes nice guys are taken advantage of. And I'm not saying Nick isn't a nice guy, but I think he's got that personality where he's going to push back. Uh, a little bit more than than Doug Peterson. Uh, but we'll see. Where, where I disagree with Jeffrey Glory, yeah, different things are are a change. But he's always been meddling. That's what guys tell me. He's always been a meddling guy. When he first started, Jody, he was Harold Katz. He was on the field at the scouting combine with the whistle. I mean, he thought he he was involved. Now, when you talk about coaching staffs, Early Andy Reid was an unknown, and you know, they got a Jim Johnson and and I think it was Rob Dow Dau- Dowhauer at the time. Uh, veteran coaches, and then as it slowly wore on and he got success, he had more control. Um, Chip Kelly, they gave Chip Kelly autonomy. Uh, I think it's counterintuitive, and I've said this on the show, I think their thought process is dumb when they say, Oh, Doug. Doug was with Andy the whole time. He didn't develop relationships. So what do you want him to get fired so we can go develop more relationships? Go get fired and go be under a crappy coach to develop more relationships. I think that's a dumb way of thinking, um, but that's their way of thinking. Uh, so I I think the individual sort of peaks and valleys you were talking about, Jody, exist, but he's always been a meddler. He's always been involved. And by the way, it's his team. He should be involved. Right. He should be involved. But that's why I love that term. You got to manage up with Jeffrey Lurie. You got to have a head coach who steers that guy in the right direction. And I think I'd come up short of even
2: using the word meddler. He's a hands-on owner. There are hands-on owners. There are hands-off owners. There's Jerry Jones, who basically comes out and says, I'm the general manager. Uh, and well, Jeffrey He is. is. Um, Or you can say his son is and Jerry as well. He and his Uh, son son are.
4: His son is running everything through Jerry. I understood. And I think Howie
2: Roseman is running everything through Jerry, through uh, Jeffrey too. But just not as publicly as they do down there in Dallas between Jerry, the father and son. Um, But he is the most hands-on owner and out front owner that there is in the National Football League. Jeffrey isn't that. And I think we we should be glad and happy that Jeffrey isn't that. And I don't think uh, behind closed doors, he is as dictative as Jerry Jones is. But he's also not a guy who just hires the general manager and tells him to hire the coach and then goes back and says, you guys do football things and tell me how things are going. No, there are Monday morning meetings in his room in which he's play calling, second guessing the play calling of the coach. That's pretty hands on. If you're an uh, owner, and I think Jeff Lurie is that. So I would not be surprised if Jalen Hurts has a little bit more of a shot, a possibility, an opening to grab this quarterback position than some people are suggesting. At 90% sure that Deshaun Watson is gonna be
4: here. 90%. <laughs> the Eagles are getting Deshaun Watson.
2: And he 90%. The, here I'm gonna go. I, and I love Howard. I thank Howard for coming out with us yesterday. He was great. Um We're not even ninety percent that Deshaun Watson's going to play in the National Football League. There's a chance, small, that Deshaun Watson never plays another game in the NFL again. That things come out about the charges against him that are so bad that he is not. Who knows what Deshaun Watson's going to be? To Michael Vick's credit, and I sure as heck don't want to get off on a Michael Vick tangent here, but he went to jail. He spent quality time in jail and was able to come back and rekindle his NFL career. Not the high heights that he had in Atlanta, but he's a pretty damn good quarterback when he was here in Philadelphia. Maybe that's Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson could actually have to go to jail. And then the Eagles, that 90%, they're going to take my out. Yeah, well, you know, then the storyline will be, they did it with Michael Vick. They'll do it again with Deshaun Watson. Who knows what Deshaun Watson is going to be? Where this? Uh, yeah, I, there, I'm going to I'm
4: going to I'm going to give you a percentage. 51 uh, percent. Deshaun Watson is a built-up Eagle if there are no legal entanglements, and by legal, I don't mean civil. I don't mean civil. I mean criminal. Because we've talked. We we had John McClain on this show, who's as plugged into Houston as anybody. By the way, I was watching. Spring Breakers the other night. And there's McLean. There's McLean at Spring Breakers. But nonetheless, um, if, if the Houston PD doesn't charge him, and it's still an open case, although everybody in Houston tells me nothing's going to happen. Right. If, if it case. hasn't happened by now,
2: yeah. we, we're talking yeah. too much about percentages here. But yeah. if he hasn't been arrested well, by that's,
4: now, that's, that's what that's, everybody says. That's it's down not to happen. 0.0001. It's not going to happen. So when he is cleared, there's more clarity. And by cleared, I mean uh, just from a criminal standpoint, he's going to serve some kind of suspension. I don't think there's any doubt about that. 51%. He becomes a build-up Eagle.
2: Better than 50-50. All right. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, Coming up next, Bob Groat scheduled to jump aboard. He covers the Eagles for the Delco Times. We'll talk to Bob Groats here on Birds 365.
5: I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward.
6: Wherever you are in life.
11: It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
2: Football Friday Affair here on Bird Street 65. Johnny Mac, Cody Mac. Hanging with, uh, oh, we've got one of our phase to hang with us for the next 25, 30 minutes. He hangs with the Philadelphia Eagles all year long, but specifically up close and personal starting Wednesday when everybody gets back to the field. Bob Gross from the Delco Times joins us here on Bridge 365. How are you, Robert? Uh, good morning,
12: Jody and John. How are you guys doing?
4: Doing well, Bob. Good right. to see you. Are you fired up? Are you fired up? What training camp will this be for you? What number?
12: Oh boy. i mean, you know how I am with math. Um, I guess I could <laughs> figure it out. 19, let's see, 2021 minus 1992 equals 29.
8: Yeah,
4: yeah how about that? The entire 29. Jeffrey the entire Jeffrey Lurie era,
9: right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
12: I think there was actually I think there was one missing in there because um, they gave the beat to uh, a non-union paper in the chain. You know the the union did the best they <laughs> yeah. could, but they were doing a. It was kind of a. It was sort of a, a lesson to us that if we didn't sign a contract, they were going to start.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, there
4: we go. That That's was like, like a lesson like by the NFL to get back that contract.
2: Yeah. yeah,
12: that was like three ownerships ago. So and and maybe four bankruptcies. So, uh but uh yeah, I remember. Uh, I think and that was two thousand three. So yeah, but it's been a lot of. You know your question. It's been a lot of training camps, and um, and I, I got to tell you guys, I know people are excited about this, and, and they think that there's there's actually battles for starting jobs. And yeah, they, Jody they
4: thinks start. that.
8: There's,
2: I don't no, know, there's
4: no, no, there's no, there's no battles. A there's no battles. Line, yeah. there's You're no
8: calling
2: battles. you're calling the coach a liar right out of the bat. Yes, I don't know. You ever run to practice? Oh, yes, you're I calling am. him a liar. Black no, tackle, we, there's a battle. What he
4: means Let is, tackle. I hope we found a starter. <laughs> See, this is beautiful. I said, Groats will come on, and he will take the heat off me. Because last time you were on, you said, what if they start 0-9? Because people I'm th- think I'm the negative one. So I'm I'm thrilled to have uh, Bob Groats here, and it is going to be training camp, whatever, 1992. So let's talk about it, Bob. I mean... Last couple days, there has been – and Howard was on our show yesterday, and now he's putting Deshaun Watson to the Eagles at 90%. 90%, Bob Grutz. Jalen Hurts will start there. Can he do anything to be the long-term starter of this team? Is this organization already looking at the next chapter? He's just a placeholder.
12: I disagree with that 90% thing. I think there's a lot of unresolved stuff there. I, I, you know, he's got his sources and, um, you know, I don't know if he's checked beyond that, that particular source, whoever it is, but, uh, there's a lot of pieces moving with that. So I, I don't believe that. I, I think that, uh, Jalen hurts is, yeah. I mean, it, I, unless he has a great year, it's going to be tough for him to, to be the guy going forward, but, um, I, you know, that's what you're looking at right now that, and, um, and, you know, if that offensive line is better, they're going to be a decent team, but uh, I still don't think they, they win the NFC East. I, you know, and, and if that, cause I don't see that offensive line staying healthy for the entire year. And, uh, th- you know, the depth that they, they, they think they have some depth at, at offensive line. Most of those guys got hurt too. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, so I, I just don't see it. I, I don't share that that same optimism, but, um, and, uh, and I, have I said it, I think on your last show, I still think that Nick Sirianni is, he, he's you know, wait until he finds out what this is going to be like, you know, um, first, oh, yeah. first head coaching job. This is, this is not going to be easy. And I, I like the idea of an inner squad scrimmage, you know, um, practice, inner squad practice and that type of thing. But two mm-hmm. of them in one year, to, I, I mean, in, in one preseason, that I mean, that's the veteran guys don't do that. There, I think there's one other team that that's doing it, and and I don't think they're going anywhere. But I mean, that that's two lost weeks. I mean, for for the coaching staff because that, that, those things are crazy. I think those intra squad uh, practices. I think the only people that they really benefit are the talent evaluators at final cuts because then they get to see two teams up close and personal and and whether they yeah. want to add any of those guys. So maybe that's part of it. But uh, he, it's just – he's got a just a monumental task ahead of him, you know, with that – and uh, and if they – say they do bring in Deshaun Watson and, um, and he's told that, you know, we, we want to build a culture around this guy. Hey, <laughs> well, could you do any – could you make it any more difficult for a, a rookie head coach, you know, than to have to deal with this stuff? Yeah, and there's no way that they're going to be able to squash this completely, too. If they if they did bring in Watson, I mean, there there are going to be questions.
2: And uh, well, they, so. they, Bob, they did uh, bring Michael Vick in, uh,
12: and, and he, he dealt with everything back. head on. I I don't think and uh, and they had a different head coach, Jody Andy Reid. He was established. They they had an entirely different culture. The locker room, they had a lot of leaders in there, and uh, and they didn't bring him in. With, uh, after giving up two or three first round picks, he, he was a low risk type of thing. And, uh, and he really, he really worked at it, you know, like that, uh, at, at, um, at being, you know, at winning, uh, his trying to, back trying to rehabilitate
4: medium. himself. Yeah. yeah.
12: He, he really, you know, it's like he, 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 uh, I, I you know, I believe that, uh, and, 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 and there's, uh, Tony Dungy was his mentor. So, I mean, those are those are some pretty ideal things. This um, we haven't even seen anything that's uh, that's happening with uh, so far with um, Deshaun Watson, other than he disputes these all these charges, and there's a lot of them. There, what is it, twenty two? That, that's, yeah. yeah, that, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a. I mean, you can say what you want. All right, there's no criminal investigation, or but uh, that, that's a lot of that's a lot of people.
2: Tony Dungy was a uh, a big help for Michael Bick. Who would be Deshaun Watson's mentor? Is there a well known masseuse expert out there that, that Deshaun could tie into? I just, Bob, not, Bob not, not coming up with a name off the top yeah, of my head. Bob
12: Kraft could be. Uh, yeah. 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 He's a perfect
2: yeah. fit for the Patriots. No, but we got to get him here. Our Crampton yeah. Laurie friends? Yeah. That's That'd what be. we need to find out. How That's close so hard, are Crampton Laurie? Yeah. You can You can do that. You can be friends as long as you're in different conferences. John schooled me earlier in the show that you got to yeah. get players out of conferences. Gotta when You train them them. Conference. You can actually be friends of your owners as long as you're in separate conferences. So hey, Jeffrey Lurie
4: could actually work. Jeffrey Lurie wanted to own, wanted to own the new England Patriots. That's mm. the team he wanted to buy really uh, back in the day. And obviously he's a Boston guy, but all right, let's bring it back to the Eagles. Let's bring it to Nick Sirianni, the first training camp. It's a big job, Bob. We, you've talked to a lot of coaches over the years. What's the one thing they always say? Uh, I, I didn't know how much non-football stuff I've been dealing with. Uh, that's constantly. And Zach Hurts is football and non-football. Uh, Zach Hurts is back. He's in the building working out. Uh, he's going to show up for camp because he doesn't want to lose $40,000 a day. But he doesn't want to be here. And oh, by the way, wink, wink. The Eagles don't want to be here. Why are they putting Nick Sirianni through this?
12: Yeah, well, here we go. I mean, um, and there are going to be questions daily about that. You know, what's going on with Zach? You know, is uh, it'll be interesting to see how many actual snaps he gets and um, and how how they work them into practice. But uh, I, I I agree. I don't think um, I don't think a rookie head coach should have to go into the his first season, you know, dealing with something like this, it should have been dealt with long ago. And I don't, you know, I don't know how they're, how that, you know, if this is building a culture, you know, then, um, then the NFL players association is doing a great job of protecting their players rights, you know, in terms of the vaccination and the vaccine and whether to get it or not. I mean, they're, they're just not doing it. I mean, it's just not happening. This I don't think this is the way you build a culture. I heard Dick Vermeil say the other day, and he's very positive and upbeat. He, he believes the Eagles can have a winning record if the offensive line stays Ooh. healthy the whole season. But he, I don't think that's going to – well, I, I mean, I'm skeptical that they will. But he said that for, for a first-year head coach in the NFL, uh, the key was to be really uh, – to be tough on the guys because you can always be – got to set the tone. You can always be a nice guy later. But uh, you got to show them who's boss and set the tone and and do that. So, well, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I think that's that's an interesting thing because I think this this camp and I think this whole season is just it's strictly about building a culture for Nick Sirianni and getting the players to buy in.
2: Here's where I'm going to hold Nick Sirianni's feet a little bit to the fire. I I enjoy his. Competition stances slash rants about everything's open for competition when well, we know full well Lane Johnson isn't competing for a starting spot, but eh, fine. I get what the coach is attempting to do there. He was pretty outspoken about a good coach will take his players and build his system and his philosophy and his play calling around the players that he has, not trying to put a round peg in a square hole. Here's my system. We're going to do it my way because this is the way I do things. And the players will adapt to the way I want to do. No, he said that a good coach would adapt his system and his play calling to the players that he has. And if that's the case and Zach Ertz is, arguably the third best wide receiver on this team. If you believe Goddard's going to be better, you believe that Sean Watson's going to be better. Ertz could very well be the third best receiver. Well, then you're going to play a lot of 12 personnel because that's what you should do. If you're following your own mantra, don't have to make the players fit the system. Let the system fit the players. If he's coming back and he's here, and I know there's still a very good chance he's traded opening week, he's on the roster. I expect the Eagles to play a lot of two tight end sets. Do you?
12: Uh, there's a lot of, lot to unpack in that Jody. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I think there's, we still don't know exactly what that relationship is between Nick Sirianni and his, uh, game day roster, his 53 man roster and, and Howie and the, the front office, what their idea is. So I think that'll, that'll weigh heavily in that. But, uh, he he definitely is it. Zach Ertz definitely is a talent. He he has been a leader. He he hasn't been like a, a Malcolm Jenkins type of uh, leader, not on that level. But he has he is a leader. And how could you? I mean, how could you not want to have somebody like that on your team? But then you go back and after that blow up that that he had with uh, with Howie and uh, and I know there's been attempts to say that uh, that was that wasn't about his contract. That was something else there was a blow up, you know, and it it was viewed publicly. So I don't think that, uh, and, and teams, you know, those trade rumors, I there's too many trade rumors, not to think that they don't want to trade them. So I I don't know how you kind of compartmentalize that whole thing and, and set that aside and and just move forward. That's if they can do that, 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 that will be incredible. The only controversial figure, the only guy with drama on the Eagles since I covered the team that was able to successfully compartmentalize all the drama and not let it affect his performance on the field was T. O. And we know how that season went. You know how divisive that turned out to be. The off uh, part, half the locker room wanted him, half the locker room didn't. This is a very young team, and um, and for for Nick Sirianni to to uh, take hold of it, um, I, I think that uh, everybody you know, talk about needing to be on the same page. Um, He's got enough headaches and, and uh, for him to even have to worry about this is uh, to me, it's just unnecessary. So, but yeah, if he's on the, if he's there and he's one of their players, maybe, I don't know how you do it, but maybe he can find a way to kind of rally around this. So uh, they're going to need to, they're going to need to do, look for all kinds of, of uh, motivation this season. They may even, they may even cite a Philadelphia Eagles dot com article, you know, critical of, of a player indirectly and, and use that as fuel, you know, like, yeah. hey, did you hear what the website said about us? Yeah. They said that we were 4-11-1 last year and uh, whatever, you know. But well, they, they'll use our articles, Bob, yeah. but
4: not Eagles.com. Articles. There, there's yeah. not going to be any negative there. They're
12: running out of us, though, John. That's true. They're running out of us. <laughs> they're running out of, they're, us. They're that's running out of us, and uh, and the that's why industry has us. changed a little bit, as you guys know. Yeah. So, And that'll be another interesting thing to look at here, too. You know, like um, if there's a – if I have to – <laughs> If I have to move my space in the press room, for example, <laughs> and uh, to accommodate someone else or and, uh, and, and give up my name tag you know because of uh, what I write, I'm, I'm just kidding about that. The, the Eagles, the, the media relations staff has been uh, they, they've been uh, really upfront and um, and they haven't been an issue, but uh, yeah, if things are changing, so um, I, I just hope that um, I, I hope that uh, Siriani and his guys, his staff, um, they they still need some experience. I, I hope they're just not swallowed up by all the stuff that happens in this preseason. I mean, they're going through this the first time, and I, I mentioned the the two inner squad things. I still don't, I don't know why you would have two of those. With well, a remember, head,
4: there's, with a there's, one head less, coach. there's one less there's one preseason game, so you have there a was, little bit. There more were four of an less
12: preseason games last year. Yeah, I mean, it was like. And and uh, you know me, John. I'd like to go right to the well, the first quarter of the preseason games. Let's go right there, you know. Uh, because oh, the, yeah. This um, training camp stuff. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know how many stories I've written where I've been, I've drank the cold, drunk and the the Kool Aid and said, "Oh, this guy looks good. He looks yeah. great." And then they get in the games, and oh my, oh,
4: J.J. artega of Whiteside. What was I thinking, star? What was I thinking,
12: but uh, so well we're, we're, I mean, let's just fast forward to Atlanta. You know, I know you yeah. can't do that, but you know,
4: let's—that's where we're gonna know. I agree with you. They have the ramp up period now, so when people were talking about we're gonna be on the field Wednesday having grass time, they're not doing anything. It's a ramp up period. They can't do anything, <laughs> and we're gonna be talking. Oh, Devontae Smith, what went? But he's got skinny legs. Yeah, get ready for it, Jody. Yeah. Uh, I do want to steer you back towards the offensive line because you said you're worried about them being healthy, and you should be. I mean, Lane is past 30, Brandon, Jason, Kelsey. But, Bob, I mean, at some point you got to regress to the mean. They had historic attrition last year. It can't be that bad, right? It's got to be better. So <laughs> those guys are out there, Lane and Brandon, Jason, Kelsey. You also give Isaac Sayamala some credit. He's turned into a. Uh, an underrated player, and whoever wins left tackle.
3: If well, those guys at, are
4: out there, that's a good team, Pop. That's a yeah, good offensive line. You're right, but but they've been hurt so
12: often. It, it's not like all of a sudden you stop getting hurt. Once you, you get when you've been hurt a lot, and and then you hit thirty, I, I think it was J. Cobb who said this. You, you just get you get hurt more. You know, you don't get healthy all of a sudden. And uh, look at some of the guys that have last. Uh, some of the offensive linemen who lasted a long time, like look at Whitworth, has he ever been? Well, he played through an MCL one whole year, yeah.
4: so uh, he got hurt late. Yeah,
12: and I believe me, I'm not questioning the the courage of these guys. Uh, Lane Johnson played through an MCL. I'm just saying that the statistically, I mean, I I you can you might be able to have a a, a relatively healthy season here or there, for, but for all those guys, for for it to happen with all of them, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I would not. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet the house on that, you know. Are we allowed to say that now in this NFL? Yes, you are. And, awesome. and here's, Whatever, how, yeah.
2: here's how I'll quantify it. It reminds me of something else that I just dealt with in the last several months. Uh, taking calls from Nets fans, because I do national shows and some New York shows, too. And I even get a Nets fan every once in a while here in Philly. When Net, Net fans would say, well, when we get the big three healthy, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. When we go, we will be the team to beat. Vegas is making us the favorite for a reason. The championship will be ours. And I would say the same thing to him every time. Don't use the word when, use the word if. If you get the big three healthy, then yes, you could be considered favorite. If the Eagles offensive line stays healthy this year, it's not a when. You can't go when with this group, when you've had Lane miss as many games as he did. Brooks miss as many games as he did. It just, you're being overly optimistic. You need to take the Eagle colored glasses off. If you're going to say, well, when we get our offensive line healthy, no, if you get your offensive line healthy, that's the way you have to look at the perfect Eagle's answer. Offensive line. Perfect
12: answer. And the big three were never healthy together. No, no. I mean, it, just,
2: it did not happen. And, uh, I'm, we're
12: still waiting on that. That that's an excellent way of putting it. And all those guys are, they're, they're getting up in years, you know, they're not, they're not ancient, but, uh, they're getting up there. So, uh, and
2: by the, oh, by the way, big problem with the depth—they still don't have Landon Dickerson signed, and that's a—he's <laughs> going to be there, Jody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going to yeah, be. John there. gives me a hard time because yeah. I bring this up all the time. He's he gonna, goes, he's "Stop be it, Jody! He said, stop. He's going to sign."
4: And yeah. I know that's probably the case, but as long as he's not signed, he's not signed, Bob. Landon, I'm going to go. You're right about if. Uh, let me chime in, Bob. You're right about if uh, everybody's healthy. And this season's going to be defined. There's too many ifs around this Eagles team, all over the place. If Jalen Hurts does this, if Devonte Smith hits the ground running, if the offensive line stays healthy. But I'm going to use when. When Landon Dickerson signs, there's the difference. Okay, hey,
2: hey. <laughs> I'm holding out on that when. It's the, when hasn't happened yet.
4: There have been
12: some Delco sightings of Landon Dickerson. I got to throw that Whoa, in. Oh, there.
2: there we go. So See? he's
12: healthy. He, he's healthy. <laughs> he's well, Healthy enough to be in Delco.
2: Yeah. I was gonna say, what are we talking?
4: Wawa? Is he eating well? That's well, Landon eating well. Yeah. Landon was doing backflips like a month off ACL surgery. So, you know, they were mad at him because he's so big uh doing backflips. But I, I, I do want to talk to you. We haven't talked much about the defensive side of the ball, Bob. And look, the defensive line is solid. I don't think there's any question about that. But after that, we talk about ifs the back seven on that defense. What, 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 do they have anything? What, yeah. what, give me some optimism on the back seven of that defense. Well, they got some,
12: it, it at least appears they have some athletic guys. They, they've they been drafting some guys that can run and, um and have a lot of enthusiasm. So, you know, maybe that'll, maybe that'll help. Uh, the division that they play in, I don't think anybody, there, there's nobody really, no offense. I mean, I don't. <clears throat> Dak Prescott was really putting up points when he was healthy last year, but I, I think it takes a year <clears throat> for you to get back to hundred percent when you've had a, a, a serious injury like he's had. I mean that, that fractured leg, I mean his, or his ankle, it was going the wrong way. I mean, yeah. God, we all remember yeah. seeing that. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's not like anybody is, is gonna, I, I think they'll still be in games. Um, uh, and, um, with this defense, if they can score some points and, uh, you know, they're healthy early on, I, th- I think they'll be in games. I don't think they'll be getting blown out, but over 17 games, uh, I don't, I don't know about that. And the defense, yeah, they're looking for, for people just to show up. Um, you know, Darius Slay is, well, he's, he's their best, def- uh, guy. He's their best secondary guy. Um, after that, I mean, you just kind of like, um, just a lot of, uh, pieces, a lot of holes. And, uh, you know, we, I, 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 was kidding earlier about, about uh, competitions. They just need somebody to, to show up and take those positions. I mean, uh, I, I couldn't, you know, it'll be fun to see who they, who they try at different, uh, you know, uh, different positions to see if they can fit in there. We'll, we'll get to know something about the coaching staff. And uh, but, you know, and, and it still strikes me as odd that we know almost nothing about, you know what what this coaching staff you know how they view things and and how they view the these players and and I don't know how you can keep trying to hide that you won't be able to do that through training camp right john you you can't i mean we're going to know seeing is is um, at least believing you know seeing is, yeah. is part of their thought process no matter how they try to explain it we'll we'll at least be get get to to uh to understand that and that you know that that i, I forgot now who put the story out there, but, um, you know, the uh, veterans, you know, having doubts about Nick and, and the way that. Uh, oh, Michael
4: Robinson. Was yeah. it
12: Michael Robinson? Yeah.
4: yeah. And I, I think he's a credible guy. I mean. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Mike, I mean. he's a former player. He talks yeah. to other players. And by the way, it's just common sense that. Yeah. How could you not? guys are in that locker room with a first-time head coach. Everybody's not Lane Johnson going, this guy's great. There are guys going, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know, yeah. about, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, Bob.
12: Yeah, well, and, and we'll we'll see how Nick Sirianni establishes himself, and um, and we'll see, you know, we'll get an idea of what the the players how they feel about him through this training camp. So, I guess that's that's going to be. That's an interesting part of, of training camp, although a little bit more
2: subtle than some of the other things. Oh, by the way, uh, Bill Belichick, who might be the greatest coach of all time, doesn't go 90 for 90. There's no. a whole bunch of guys no. that don't like Bill Belichick. So if some of haven't jumped on the Nick <laughs> yeah. Sirianni bandwagon yet, we, we, we'll we be okay with that. I uh, John will like the fact that I uh, make this point, ask this question, Bob, because he again gets to dodge not being the negative guy. Uh, Derek Barnett. The Eagles have four defensive ends that are probably going to be in the rotation. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan. I think Derek Barnett has a real good chance to be the fourth most productive out of those four. I think to this year, to this point, his career has been a disappointment. From where he was picked in the first round to what expectations were, should have been, and have been underachieved. John likes to say, well, you know, he's not bad. He, he's okay when he's out there. No, that doesn't cut it for me. He's been a disappointment, and I think he will disappoint again this year. And oh, by the way, expectations have been raised because his salary's been raised. He's on the fifth year of that rookie contract, and all of a sudden you jump up pretty substantially as to how much you're taking down. So Derek Barnett is supposed to, and in my mind, has to step it up this year. I don't see it, To you?
12: No, I I think he's 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 more than just a guy but i don't think he's that good either i think he's a little better than average and uh last year jody um it was i think even into the like the second or third month of the season he had more career penalties than he had sacks and and that's always you know i mean that's a that that kind (laughs) of tells you what what you got right there so jim schwartz really liked him and um and uh, you know, how oh, the, that
2: explains why yeah. McMillan liked McMullen liked him. Schwartz told him he could play. I know yeah. what I saw on tape, but he can't play. You're trying to tell <laughs> me Schwartz, uh, McMullen likes Schwartz.
4: Yeah, I like Jim. Uh I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I like Jim a lot. And Jim yeah, did yeah. like Derek Barnett. But I, I will say about Derek Barnett and to Jody's point, yes, and I acknowledge this expectation wise, because he was the 14th overall pick. Uh, back in the day yeah he hasn't lived up to that but he's a good player that's all I'm saying I'm not paying him so I don't have to sign those checks for 10 I don't care what he gets paid I look at the group and say Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan that's a pretty good group that's a pretty good group but I understand your your opinion as well both of you guys 14th overall pick you want a star he's not that but he's a good player. That's all I'm trying to say. Am I wrong there, Bob?
12: Uh, I don't think that, you know, if you look at the production, I don't know. I don't know that you could make that claim. I
4: mean, well, he's injured you know, a lot. Yeah. I also going to say, you got to be on the field. That's part yeah. of it. He hasn't and been able to stay on the field. You're right. That's part he's of the on whole the field. He performs at, at, at an above average level. Give me above you, average. You got to be able yeah. to play.
12: You got to be able to play through those injuries, or you know, they, you you just know well. Him. That's a fair so, yeah. criticism. I mean, that's a fair it, criticism. Yeah, I, I don't. Think, I don't think he's bad, but I, I don't I don't get it. I mean, uh, I I kind of I was a little I was just mildly surprised that they they kept him there. If they had had Kerrigan, for example, if they if they had access to Kerrigan before uh, given uh, ex, given exercising that fifth year option. I mean, I, that would have been interesting to see what they did with uh, Derek Barnett.
2: Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I call him above average. I think he is. Uh, uh, Bob, I like the phrase you use. Just a guy. That's what I think Derek Barnett is. He's just a guy. And if you're the 14th pick in a draft, you're supposed to be more than just a guy. All right. Same expectations. Not quite 14. Oh, even higher. Taking 10. Um, Devonta Smith. I asked this yesterday of our guest. Um, Deshaun Watson set the Eagles rookie wide receiver yards uh, number uh, record at 912 yards his rookie season. Uh, I saw a wagering outlet that has the under over for Deshaun for uh, uh, Devonta Smith at 750 yards. Oh, I think that's an easy over because I think there's a good chance Devonta Smith's going to rewrite the Eagles record book and have more than 912 yards. Yeah, I know he's the number one target. Yeah, I know he comes in with a big rep and a Heisman Trophy and other defenses are going to try and make sure he's not the one who beats him. I think this kid is that good that he's got a chance to go for 1,000, which is certainly more than 912. Will will, uh, the number one pick for the Eagles this year reset their Eagle wide receiver rookie rushing record this year?
12: Yeah, that's that's an interesting line. (laughs) I kind of... I didn't you know I on paper, uh just knowing what I do now and, and looking at things, um, I would say yeah. However, you know, that skinny kind of frame and everything, is he gonna be dinged up during the year? And um, and you know, we, with that that quarterback, uh, what if what if Joe Flacco becomes the quarterback? Um and he's going over a yeah. thousand. Yeah, Joe well, was
4: slinging the ball, big Joe. South Jersey's own Bob, come on. Yeah, yeah. He could. He he
12: tends to take some sacks too, John. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of. I mean, sure. you the, the potential in this season is. I mean, I mean, and the characters on this team and the the potential for different, uh, you know, different scripts and uh, yeah. it's just unending. So, um, but I would say I, I would say he goes over. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I. He really, he really looks the part so far. He does. Um, he from does. what we've seen, and um, and and that unlike a, a draft picks that I've seen over the years, so this guy really, he really looks the part. So I'd say over.
4: All right, Nick Mullins might be throwing the ball as well. Don't forget that as well, Bob Grotz. But I, I don't.
12: I think he's still getting over that shoulder surgery on his yeah. throwing arm, yeah. right? Okay. I think it was yeah. elbow. I think it was elbow. Elbow. Okay. Yeah. 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 It wasn't Tommy John. You're right. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. Um <laughs> last time you were here, you said it could get ugly, and I believe you threw out 0 and 9. So my last question to you, it's not gonna get that ugly. Is it this? Yeah, team they, they, better,
12: yeah they better win that opener in Atlanta and uh <laughs> another rookie head coach because uh if you look I was as I said earlier, you look at the way their schedule is. I mean, there's there's potential to for this thing to snowball. So um uh, it's, um, you know, and I, I still, I still have, um, questions about what Nick Sirianni is going to do. And, um, uh, you know, maybe that'll, maybe my outlook will change a little bit in the preseason. Maybe it'll even, maybe it'll be worse. Um, maybe they don't, maybe the Eagles don't show anything in the preseason and try to save everything, you know, all the, the real playbook for the, the regular season, like a lot of teams do. But, uh, I, if they don't win that opener, it, it, it could get really ugly. And I, and I, I just um, you know with the, with all the 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 newness to this roster and um, and all the the different um, you know so the issues that that we've mentioned, some of them you know like they have to identify who's who's going to play the back end of the defense. It's going to be really hard. I, I don't you know, and even in the NFC East, I mean. You, I don't think you're going to have anybody running away with the NFC for, with the pennant, but uh, you are going to – I mean, I think all those teams have uh, – are, are, you know, talent-wise, I think they're better than the Eagles
2: right now. Bob, always looking on the bright side of life. That's why we love you. You you call it the way you see it. My Life's friend. a piece <laughs> of what if you when you look at it, yeah. Monty Python, yeah. And always look on the bright
12: side of life, yeah.
2: Dude, no. dude. Do 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 Bob, we always appreciate when you come aboard. Thank you, sir. You know we'd we'll be tapping into you plenty once the season gets here. John yeah, have you. me back in. Have me back in September. Yeah. September?
4: <laughs> well, so no, I don't be, know. We could go an, an entire August. month. Yeah, I mean, that's you. what i are gonna know. do.
2: You're gonna do an August spot here, buddy. Right. After McMullen like uh, sideswipes you a couple yeah. times out there on the grass, we're gonna get you right. back on so you can take some pot shots And oh, at him. oh,
12: by the way, all the best to to uh, Harold Carmichael. Let me yes. say that on your show before. I mean, because the the Hall of Fame thing will be over. You know, richly deserved. The the guy has been overlooked for a while. And you yeah. look at his numbers you can could put especially in that era when you
2: frame yeah. him yeah. really
12: really incredible. And I Impressive think he miss.
2: had I think he had skinny legs too but he was 6 foot 7 so you probably gave him cut him a little more slack with those skinny legs rather than the 6 foot Devonta Smith great I hope team. Devonta uh falls in line and also someday we're talking about his Hall of Fame status. Uh great stuff Bob thanks for coming on we'll uh, get you back on soon enough.
12: All right guys. Thanks, I'm
2: Bob. Delco Times here with us on Street 365. <clears throat> All right, quickie timeout. Come back. We got to put a bow on this show here on Street 365.
5: I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say
7: Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, pure bull dry rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to steersnacks.com.
8: Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all.
11: It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
2: All right, uh, we be running out of time here on merge Street 65. We thank Bob Groats for not only giving us good insight, but also a couple of yucks. That's why we like that Bob on. He's always good for a couple of yucks when he comes on. All right, uh, Johnny Mack, we're counting down. We got four days until camp opens up, and five days until you get some quality grass time. We got uh, hundred. We got 81 days until the opener in Atlanta, which Bob Grote says they better win because it gets tougher thereafter. I kind of disagree <clears throat> with They got Detroit in there. Detroit's going to be a bad football team. Carolina is to be determined. We'll see how good Sam Donald. There's games in the first half of the schedule that the Eagles can win, so I'm not counting them in for 0-9. And, and 175 days till the SoFi Super Bowl. That would be out in Los Angeles in that new stadium um, on February 12th, 13th, somewhere thereabouts. I think it's Super Bowl 50. What are you up to, 56.
4: I think question. it is this year. I, I, X, I, I think it's BI, so that's six.
2: Yeah. So I think we're looking at 56 this year. Um will McMullen be there? Must the Eagles make it for McMullen to be there? No, what do you I've think been, your
4: chances are of going to the Super Bowl this year? I these days I only go if the Eagles make it. So but that's not true. I've been I've been to nine Super Bowls. The nine? last one, yeah. The last one was uh uh atlanta uh so the super bowl in atlanta the rams and the patriots so that's the last one um uh, i want to so i've been to a bunch but these years yeah i don't even want to go the eagles are there i gotta go now joe kraus and jacob media if they want to do super bowl radio row i gotta go but if, i'm not going unless i gotta go let's put it that way jody Super Bowl Radio Row
2: YouTube. How many YouTubers are there? It's been a while
4: since I've gone. So I don't know. And YouTube oh, a bunch. has, has blown up the way that it has. Everybody well, everybody streams their show now. So it's sort of like combination. It's radio streaming. So everybody streams their show now. So yeah, the world has changed. So true, true. we might and, be there. Cilio will surely be there. So who knows? It's up to Joe Cross. Yeah, well, then uh, we'll have to figure
2: out what Joe Krause uh, decides our assignments are. Here's the only assignment I know for sure. We're supposed to be back here Monday. Jay Feely is going to join us. Not to be confused with the ex-Feely quarterback of the Eagles. This is Jay Feely, the kicker, who has become a broadcaster after his playing days were over and done with. He's going to be with us on Monday. I'm
4: going to be here. McMullen, you going to be here? I'm going to be here. Some Jake Elliott questions. I'm going to get ready for Jay Feely. There you we go. We don't talk about Jake Elliott enough. We'll do He's just great that. at everything, by the way.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, and and beats John at any competition. Could he beats beat everybody? You? Certainly could he beat Victor you at Tiddly Winks? Oh. I hear you are a master tiddlywink guy.
4: I can't beat Jake Elliott at anything, but nobody else can as well. Nobody else can beat Jake Elliott at anything except the occasional 33-yard vehicle. Oh. No. So
2: uh, we will talk Jake Elliott on Monday here on Street 365 Have a great weekend, everybody.
7: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently.
11: To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.